The Bill Myers Show podcast is sponsored by Clouser Drilling. They've been leading the way in Southern Oregon well drilling for over 50 years. Find out more about them at clouserdrilling.com. Delighted that you are here for Conspiracy Theory Thursday, the 1st of of February. Always kind of trip over that a little bit. February, 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 right? Uh, Yeah, trying to get away from like when I was a little kid. February. (laughs) No, it's February, Billy. Okay, but anyway, welcome to the show. Join in at 770-5633-770-KMED. My email, Bill at BillMyerShow.com. Facebook.com slash Bill Myers Show is up and running right now. You get a chance to watch the show if you would prefer that. Heard all over Southern Oregon, 99.3 KCMD, Grants Pass, Josephine County. KMED 1063, 106.3 HD1, and 106.7 in Jackson County. And, of course, streamed on KMED.com. I think we've done our job. And you don't need an app or anything else to uh, stream KMED.com. Just go right to KMED.com, and it'll work on your Android and uh, also your uh, your Apple phone, anything like that. Great, okay? Appreciate you being here. Sorry about uh, the last-minute cancellation of the show yesterday. Wasn't able to make it in because uh, ended up uh, having some uh, family medical issues. Uh, my mother and I ended up spending several hours in the emergency room on uh, Tuesday night. And I don't think she'd mind me telling you a little bit about it, but because it was such an interesting experience, as it were. And, um, you know, Mom, of course, uh, had a few things. And doctor was saying, hey, we might have a little water on the lungs. Let's go get, go get that checked out. Because when you're a senior citizen, you got to watch the uh, – you have to watch the, ch- the chest and, uh, and respiratory stuff. So first they send us to uh, Providence uh, – what was it? Uh, urgent care. And they say, oh, no, this is really, you need to go over to emergency room. Okay, fine. So it's 5 o'clock on Tuesday, and we uh, we drop into Providence, and the place is filled. I had never seen the emergency room filled like this, and apparently Asante has been operating under pretty much the same sort of situations. So my mom and I, we check in, we sit down, and, of course, they uh, do a little triage, and they check vitals, et cetera, et cetera. And, and and by the way, everything's fine. I mean, everyone's doing their job. I'm not uh, doing that. But it was interesting to watch, though, uh, the emergency room just absolutely packed. We finally got checked in, and the doc started seeing her at 11 o'clock and had some treatments uh, that they needed done. So they did that. And we finally got out about 3 in the morning. And then I was supposed to, you know, I got home about 3. And it was just, there's just no way of it up uh, 24 hours straight. It just wasn't working. But it was fascinating to observe the emergency room all those hours. And I talked to some of the nurses there, and they had told me that it was uh, it was happening in all the hospitals up and down the I-5 corridor. We were just seeing a whole bunch. And in uh, Providence's case, they said it was a lot of li- uh, just a lot of things going on right now all at once. And, yeah, there was some COVID, a little bit of COVID, she said. Not a whole lot, really. There's the RSV, the other flus and colds that would normally have, and then the other injuries. Yeah, there was a, a kid sitting down the um, the uh, row from me in the emergency room who worked at a sandwich shop in town. And he was there waiting several hours because uh, he uh, ran his hand into the uh, the sandwich slicer. It's like, yikes, gosh, you know, and, and he had that all wrapped up and he was waiting. And there were other people in. There was a, a person sitting next to me that says, yeah, my Blood sugar just exploded. I'm up like 500. I need. I think I'm going to have to go on insulin. I'm thinking, wow, yeah, yeah, you probably will. Uh, there were a couple of people that I knew that were in the emergency room. We talked about that, and everyone's just waiting. You know, they plug in the IV line, and then you sat and wait. And 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 then when we finally got back there, it was just a humming, just humming activity. 
you, you never think about it. You know, one in the morning, I'm looking at uh, probably 20 nurses and doctors and things running around taking care of people. It's really amazing to watch and observe in some ways, but it was just kind of overloaded. And uh, Asante apparently in the same sort of situation in practically all of the hospitals. Now, it is interesting that um, in Oregon, you really can't build a new hospital without uh, kind of, I think they call it a certificate of need. It's one of those kind of things, certificate of need. And you would essentially, if you wanted, let's say you wanted to bring another hospital into Southern Oregon. I'm saying uh, uh, for what instance, this is where kind of politics and medicine combine. If you wanted to put another hospital, maybe another small hospital in uh, in Grants Pass or Medford or Ashland, something like that, you would have to all practically get permission of your competition of uh, of Asante and or Prov in order to come in and build a hospital. But it is true. That's kind of the way it works in Oregon. Certificate of need. We're one of the states that uh, that uses that. So it's not what necessarily people want. It's what the state thinks you need. Now, I suppose they don't want too much competition, right, because it might make uh, things a little difficult. And then you see a bunch of hospitals close and people, I mean, I don't know. It, there's a lot of politics involved in this. But it does appear that there are times that, uh, yeah, I could probably use a little more capacity. Although I must say, another aspect of the emergency room service is that it has clearly, from just my observation, become the, the medical clinic for the, for homeless, for the homeless and um, illegal aliens. You could see some of that going on, the indigent in general, and people just show up and you have to be treated. And so I think that may have had something to do with it, too. There were a lot of people hurting. There was one other aspect. And by the way, mom was treated very well. Okay, things are fine. I'm not complaining about it. Just, just kind of marveling at how crowded it was and how long it took to to get there. Like I said, six hours of waiting and then, you know, three, four hours then finally done. And she's okay, by the way. She's okay. And uh, it was back home on Wednesday morning. <clears throat> What is interesting, though, it was one particular patient. Well, she wasn't really a patient, but she was trying to be a patient. And that is essentially the mentally ill. That uh, There was one young woman there that uh, for probably two, three hours was essentially almost like that uh, Ozzy Osbourne album, Bark at the Moon. She wasn't barking at the moon, but I'm saying obviously... A real problem, obviously in real distress. She was screaming, you know, at people. This is where I'm thinking people that run emergency rooms in town probably don't make enough money. And the nurses are saying, oh, yeah, this is we see this kind of stuff all the time. She's screaming at everybody saying, I'm here. I'm here to get a three day uh, prescription. Just so I can help make myself better. And I probably wanting diazepam or some other. Uh, mental health or some other, you know, brain kind of drug. I, I was assuming I couldn't ask, and I, actually nobody wanted to engage, you know, that sort of thing. So she was screaming and raving about how uh, all of us had to repent because her heart hurt, and that, um, and she was also screaming out loud that they're taking my eggs and my blood, and it hurts. And she was just going on. I mean, needless to say, this young woman was very much in. Um, mental distress. And I get the impression that maybe there's just not a place where people like that go. Maybe there's not room at two North either. I've, I've, I've 
heard of some people with even within my family. Some have had to go to two north for a time. And usually it's just a temporary thing and then off they go. But there does not appear to be a lot of treatment available. And so she was just kind of, you know, security would say, hey, you got to quit yelling at people and this and the other. And then she would go outside and then she'd moan and cry. And it's like, wow, you know, where do you go on something like that? That's something I might ask uh, Senator Linthicum this morning about in a little while, because I know everyone's going to be focusing on Measure 110 in the upcoming session, but I'm really curious about the mental health facilities, because Oregon, like practically every other city, closed the mental hospitals. And I must say that in my talk show opinion, I'm not a doctor, not a medical doctor, but this young woman that was uh, barking at the moon practically and raving on like just a crazy woman there for a number of hours at the emergency room the other night. In earlier times, she probably would have been institutionalized and there would have been someone to look at her and and figure out what's going on. Now, maybe she was off her meds. Maybe she couldn't get her meds. I, I don't know. I don't know the whole story. But it does appear that... Um, it's there's no just easy one stop. Hey, we'll just send you over here. You know, we'll make it happen. Maybe she got taken to Two North at one point. You know, Two North is the uh, psychiatric ward over at Asante, and even that's of limited. You know, it's limited capacity. It's not unlimited, and it's not meant to be uh, something that goes on for a long, long time. And so we have that. You know, we have that going on. A lot of homeless in there getting some things taken care of, and and this is where you see the. Um, the scourge of of drug addiction, which, of course, I think Measure 110 is not necessarily helping. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that. And there, there was this one guy, a uh, nervous little fellow that was pacing back and forth in the uh, emergency room half the night that we were there, you know, waiting with my mom. And every time I would go out, and I would actually go home since she lives not too far away. I would go and get her stuff thinking that, well, maybe she's going to be admitted. So I want to make sure and get all her stuff. So I'd come back. Every time I would walk in and out of the emergency room, this one fellow is always asking if I he was always asking me if I had a cigarette and he would forget each time that I would come in and out. I said, I, I don't smoke. I don't smoke. Sorry, I, I can't help you. But, you know, it's kind of like the nervous uh, tweaker kind of thing. And I have to tell you, uh, if you uh, really want to know what is going on with the. You know, the lower echelons of society and those that are finding themselves in problems, it would seem to me that uh, the city councils and just about everybody else. Spend a night or two at a emergency room, in the emergency room when uh, when it's busy, especially a busy night, and it uh, is quite quite an interesting observation. Might I mean I I learned a lot. I mean I've been in the emergency room several times over the years, you know, usually with relatives, you know, helping them out. But normally it was kind of um, you know someone was having a heart attack or having heart problems and they get triaged and they get taken in right away, but. When you sit out there for five, six hours and you're able to observe uh, a lot of it, it's uh, it's quite an education, really. And we do have some challenges. I don't know if we uh, could use some more capacity for that or not. I saw a news release the other day that uh, Providence is ex- is expanding the uh, hours of their clinics, of their uh, urgent care clinics. There was a news release came in the other day about that. And I think Central Point was what they were mentioning. That's a good thing. Anything, I, I would imagine that uh, a lot of urgent care probably ends up uh, taking some load off of the 
emergency room and emergency medical system here in Southern Oregon. So that would be a good thing. That's a positive. Hopefully they'll be doing more of that, more clinics. It's uh, 24 minutes after 6. Didn't mean to expound on, you know, everything at the emergency room, but that's why I wasn't here yesterday. But it um, was pretty interesting. Don't know if you've ever had those kind of uh, weird experiences, too. Or maybe it was just the phase of the moon. It wasn't even a full moon. <laughs> we were in there Tuesday night. This is the Bill Myers Show on KMED, KCMD. Artisan Bakery Cafe has done it again. For a limited time, Artisan Bakery is offering a delicious, mouth-watering chipotle turkey sandwich. Mmm, succulent turkey, cheddar cheese, zesty chipotle aioli, onions, lettuce and tomato nestled between their fresh-baked sourdough or multi-grain bread. It's a flavor fiesta in every bite. Perfect for your office party, gathering, or catered event. Explore the menu at artisanbakerymedford.com or stop by, dine in, and get to know the family. 1325 Center Drive across from South Fred Meyer. Stephen Westfall Roofing, Inc., Southern Oregon's roofing experts, want to serve you. This family-owned and operated team of experts would love to help you feel safe with a long-lasting roof over your head. From estimate to install, you'll be amazed with the workmanship this team provides. New construction, re-roofing, tile, metal, composition, skylights, and tunnels. Westfall makes it happen. Stephen Westfall Roofing, Inc. gets it done. No more leaking, no more squeaking. Safe and secure. That's the Westfall way. Call today, CCB number 230804. Retired or retiring soon? How much money do you need to live comfortably? Retirement Planners of America is here for you. Would you like to have financial peace of mind? Here's how. Step one, find out the amount of money you'll need to retire. Step two, have a plan to get there. Step three, make sure that plan can take advantage of market gains but protect you from market losses. Discover how to do all three with a free consultation at 800-508-6108. That's 800-508-6108. All investments involve risk, including losses. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Hi, I'm Randall from Advanced Air, and I'm on 106.7 KMED. 626. Today being Conspiracy Theory Thursday, we're actually going to do a lot of the people I was going to talk to on uh, on Wheels Up Wednesday. And Eric Peters will join me for Thursday instead. We'll talk with him about uh, EV. I guess the uh, the EV bloom is off, and we'll talk a little bit about that, some of the other news and the latest reviews he has going on. And by the way, always happy to take your calls on that, too. It's 770-5633 if you have questions and comments. Always a lot of fun. And uh, we have a State Senator Linthicum, 735. And at uh, eight ten this morning, we're going to be talking with uh, Colonel Retired. You see, you get this uh, Colonel Retired John Mills, and he's thinking. You know, we're talking about. Uh, you know, you're always hearing the term Iran-backed proxies, as far as like the people that attacked uh, the U.S. soldiers the other day, killed three of them, right? That kind of thing. And uh, he's uh, positing that this is really China. Back soldiers. So I, I want to talk with him about that. He'll be uh, joining me 810, 815 after Ron Gordon gets you the uh, money report, the markets report. By the way, the Fed's saying they're going to hold interest rates kind of steady. Stocks were a little bit soft yesterday. I don't know how they are today. Well, they're going to open up in, a, in just a few minutes. One of our top headlines here, uh, worthy of note, in the uh, in the homeless world here, Rhode Valley Times reporting today, judges siding with Medford in the lawsuit finding that the city's camping ordinances are constitutional. Remember when Justin Rosas, the defense attorney, ended up uh, filing this class action or this uh, suit a few months ago? Well, this is the result of that. Now, it's not the ruling yet. Let me explain a little bit of this. And uh, U.S. District Court Magistrate Judge Mark Clark earlier this month sided with Medford on all counts of a civil rights lawsuit filed by six homeless individuals represented by local defense lawyer Justin Rosas. 
roses on behalf of these various people. <clears throat> they said that the, the camping ordinances, such as uh, camping ordinance that put time, place, manner restrictions on unauthorized camping, violated their constitutional rights. Now, Judge Clark disagreed in his findings and recommendations because he, he makes the recommendation, and then I guess uh, Judge Ann Aikens ends up uh, doing the uh, the order. But he recommends that the summary judgment be granted in the city's favor on all claims, and he upheld the constitutionality of the camping ordinances. Now, Medford's camping ordinance passed in 2021, uh, writes Nick Morgan in the Times, uh, limits times and places where camping is allowed, but does not ban it outright. The ordinance crafted in response to Martin v. City of Boise which deemed that arresting people for sleeping on the streets to be cruel and unusual punishment, and Johnson versus City of Grants Pass, that's the other one that we're uh, suffering under, which expanded protections for public camping. Now, Clark's finding and recommendation, not a ruling, his recommendation will be referred to Judge Ann Aiken, who will make the final order. City of Medford and Roses had until uh, the end of uh, January to file objections. It doesn't appear that they have done that. All right, so... City is uh, certainly happy about that. And the bottom line here, though, is that um, City of Medford has done uh, quite a bit uh, at getting some local shelters that uh, were low barrier. In other words, you have to have uh, shelters that are able to take, I guess, uh, the druggies and the drunks, really. I, I guess that's uh, that's about it. City of Grants Pass has been resisting doing you know, something like that. And I understand why they don't, but at the same point, that uh, gets them sideways of the black robe bandits here. Now, Grant's past case, though, is uh, going up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court will be hearing that. So this is a pretty sticky wicket. And I'm glad that Medford won its suit. Its suit. That's uh, that's very good news. I'm hoping that uh, Grant's past will prevail, too. And frankly, the Supreme Court needs to weigh in on this whole aspect that... Uh, that somehow all public property is uh, is open season. Every park is uh, supposed to be every park uh, every park is supposed to be turned over to the homeless. Uh, you know, every school is supposed to be turned over to illegal aliens. You know, for housing. You know, like what's going on in New York? People are all uh, upset about that. Nah, uh, this has got to be rolled back and rolled back hard. Okay, it's uh, six thirty. KMED KCMD. We'll catch up on the rest of the news. With our NBC5 News partner, Eric Peters, will be joining me and State Senator Linthicum a little bit later on on Conspiracy Theory Thursday. If you're searching for a property with a well, don't make a decision without a well flow test from Siskiyou Pump Service. Well flow testing is necessary in assessing the performance and reliability of the system. Real estate lenders often require flow validation to ensure it meets their criteria. Siskiyou Pump Service, with over a half century of dedicated service in Southern Oregon, are your go-to experts for a comprehensive well flow test that provides crucial insights into capacity, yield, and functionality. Visit SiskiyouPump.com. Sweetwater Sanitation are your experts in the sanitation business. With over 20 years of providing septic services in Southern Oregon, Sweetwater Sanitation gets the job done the right way. Sweetwater Sanitation can inspect, service, repair, and pump your septic tank so you can focus on enjoying time with friends and family and not a septic disaster. Give them a call at 541-821-1426 or check them out online at swsmodoc.com. Sweetwater Sanitation, their service is the difference. News sponsored by Caveman Heating and Air. It's the climate and we control it. Call Caveman Heating and Air at 541-476-0009 or cavemanheating.com. 
Good morning. I'm Molly Smith with your NBC5 morning news update. The Grants Pass Police Department is looking for a missing man. 38-year-old Kendall Walls did not return home last Tuesday and his phone was turned off. Walls is about 6 foot 1, 190 pounds, has brown hair and eyes, wears glasses, and has a tattoo of a ship under his right arm and another of a whale on his chest. If you have information, please contact Grants Pass Police. And a virtual meeting for the South Stage Extension Plan was held last night. The City of Medford and ODOT are working on a plan to reduce traffic congestion on the South Medford and Phoenix interchanges. The meeting was to start identifying a roadmap for what the best course of action will be to enhance east-west connectivity. Mark Butark is with Kittleson and Associates, a transportation consulting firm retained by ODOT and Medford. He says whether they decide upon an overpass, interchange, or otherwise, the southern Oregon area is growing and transportation needs to be more accessible. With some kind of east-west connection between exit 24 and 27, emergency response times would be quicker, travel time would be reduced leading to less air pollution, and crash rates might decrease. Once a plan of action has been picked, the City of Medford and the Oregon Transportation Commission will start working on a conceptual design. For local news anytime, head to our website, kobi5.com, or our Facebook, KOBI-TV NBC5. That was a look at your morning headlines. For NBC5 News, I'm Molly Smith. Two Dogs Fabricating is a truck and trailer equipment company. Service bodies, flatbeds, dump trailers, racks, and more. They transform your truck and trailer into the ultimate work rig. Two Dogs Fabricating can custom design and build a bed and trailer that's specifically designed to carry your equipment. Plus, we have North Star flatbeds, Pacific truck service bodies, job box and buyer's toolboxes, lift gates, Delco dump trailers, everything you need to do the job better and easier. To get outfitted, go see Two Dogs Fabricating on Brian way off Sage Road. Visit twodogsfab.com. If you have an Alexa device, you can listen to great news and talk anytime by first asking Alexa, enable KMED. After enabling the skill, you can listen to the most popular talk personalities like Bill Meyer and Lars Larson, plus local news and weather 24 hours a day by just asking her to play KMED. Alexa streaming on KMED is made possible by Megan McPherson at Farmers Insurance, Father and Son Jewelry, Violets and Cream, and Pacific Healthcare Training. As most Americans suffer financially, gold just hit an all-time high. Hi, I'm Dr. Ron Paul, and this is why you need a physical gold IRA from Birch Gold Group. To learn more, text the word SAFEGUARD to 989898 to get your free info kit on gold IRAs. Secure your IRA or 401k right now. Text SAFEGUARD to 989898 to request your free info kit right now. 106.3 KMED, 99.3 KCMD, and this is The Bill Myers Show. In the late grade, Welcome, the late, great Golden State. I think it's a perfect introduction this morning to what is normally a Wheels Up Wednesday, but I guess it's going to be Takeoff Thursday with Eric Peters at epautos.com, automotive journalist. How are you doing this morning, Eric? Welcome back. Indulging me and having me on Thursday rather than Wednesday. Yeah, well, I'm just, uh, I, I'm glad you're able to reschedule. I wasn't able to, uh, to make the show for yesterday, and... Um, I'm a big fan of Dwight Yoakam. I don't know what his politics uh, is or what they are, whatever, don't care. 
But uh, the music is uh, is really, really good. But late, great Golden State, and mm-hmm. this is an article, one of your premier articles on epianos.com today, EV fever cooling, and we've known about that nationwide, mm-hmm. but it's happening in California, and that yep. is a big deal. That is a big uh, canary out there. Tell us what's going on. Huh? Uh, well, it's huge. Uh, sales across the board, not just Tesla, uh, have been down now for two going on three quarters, which is a real bellwether. Uh, because, of course, California is kind of the, the epicenter of the whole EV thing. In fact, the majority of the EVs that have been registered are probably registered in California. And if you took those out of the, the equation, it would probably more than have the number of EVs that are in total circulation. And, of course, California is a place that's temperate, generally speaking. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. It's kind of the ideal place for an EV. And politically, of course, it tends toward the left, and the left seems to like EVs in particular. So the fact that it's kind of waning in California says some interesting stuff. Now, I personally analyze it as follows. I think it probably has more to do with the fact that electric vehicles are essentially luxury vehicles in that they all cost comparable to what a luxury brand vehicle would be. There's a reason why most people are not driving a Mercedes or a BMW or a Lexus, and it's because most people can't afford one of those things. And and the fact is that EVs are priced at that level. So I think the market is saturated. I think the majority of people who, A, want one, and B, can afford one, have already bought one. And that means that there aren't that many people left who are either wanting one or who are able to buy one. And I think that's going to make for a very, very interesting scenario in the month and years ahead. Well, especially, uh, isn't by 2030 you're not supposed to sell any internal combustion engine vehicle in California, if I recall correctly? Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that's when the rubber is going to hit the road. And it's going to hit the road in all the other states that have adopted essentially the same mandate that the only uh, vehicles they'll, they'll permit to be sold within their boundaries are electric vehicles. And it's fine to, you know, fine to do that. The problem is you're pricing the majority of the people out of the market. Honda has just introduced its first $50,000 vehicle, and it's called the Prologue. And it's a, it's a battery-powered device. It's another EV, and they don't even make it. It's not even a Honda. It's a rebadged Chevy uh, I think it's the electric blazer that, that they're reselling as their own vehicle, and it's priced to start just shy of fifty thousand dollars. And you know, people who buy Hondas buy Hondas. One of the reasons they buy them is because they don't cost fifty thousand yeah. dollars. You know, if they're going to spend fifty grand, they're going to go over to to the BMW store or the Mercedes store. Boy, a lot of uh, price creep for sure. That kind of leads me though to. And and I don't want to make it clear. And I know you're not an anti EV guy. I'm not an anti EV guy either. We see how they can be useful as part of well, as, as one of the blades in the Swiss Army knives of uh, of communication of uh, transportation rather out there, right? You know, that certain yep. situations really really work well for electric vehicles, and unfortunately, long distance commutes in let's say Minnesota in the middle of winter probably not one yep. of its uh, strengths, right? You know, that's what we're right. what we're getting at. Yeah, well, that brings up something very interesting that I wrote about the other day. That's uh, on the one hand, the the government and the federal government and state governments are pushing these EVs. And at the same time, they are also effectively outlawing the kinds of EVs that a lot of people would like to buy. Ah, now that that leads to uh, the other article, another great article. I was reading this the other night. It's Mm -hmm. uh, one of the costs of one size fits all, right? That's what you're referencing here, correct? Yes, exactly. You can't uh, manufacture, or rather, you can't sell um, a city car EV, one that uh, does not meet all of the federal requirements uh, for a vehicle that goes out on the highway uh, and that's capable of operating at highway speeds for a sustained period of time. A good analogy to understand this is uh, the moped. Mm -hmm. You can go out and get a moped up to a certain size. It varies according to the state that you're in. 
and that has a top speed around 35 or 40 miles an hour. And you can use that to knock around in the city and in the suburbs. You can't legally use it on the highway, though. That's right. Well, there's no... There's no such exemption for EVs. You know, the EV has to be able to operate on all public roads to be registered as a motor vehicle, to be allowed to have that in plates and to be used. And so that excludes from the market all of the city cars that you can get in places like, of all places, the People's Republic of China, China, where you can get it. You can get a $6,000 city car EV that's ideally suited for the person who lives in a city and is going to be driving 30, 35 miles an hour max speed for short distances. And wouldn't it be great if that person could buy themselves a little five or $6,000 city car? But no, they have to buy a $50,000 EV, which, which of they course, can't afford, of course. Which ultimately then uh, prevents uh, – well, I, th- I think the whole idea of it, though, is that it's either or. It's like you either take yep. the $50,000 EV or you don't have a car at all and you get on the bus. Exactly. And I think that's part of the agenda that's not kind of thinly veiled, I think. Through all of this. Oh, I think it's pretty clear that that's the agenda. If it weren't the case, uh, why wouldn't they uh, open up the spigot, so to speak, and allow vehicles like that, inexpensive, uh, affordable vehicles that made sense for a lot of people, and particularly young people who don't have a lot of money, obviously, because they're young, you know, they're just starting out, and for them to be in a position to be able to buy a little car that lets them get to their work and get, get back home again for under 10 grand, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that help? But no, we're not allowed to have that. Now, what about uh, the cars that I remember back in the 1970s? There were some EVs that were made even back then. At, what was yep. that? Uh, there was one of those... Uh, the city car. Yeah, one of those car stores, uh, car uh, shows. What was it? Counting counting Cars, whatever it is. The guy, the guy out in Vegas did that show a few years ago. I don't know if he's still on or not. Have you ever seen that? The Counting Cars? Um, I don't know the show, but I'm familiar with the car you're talking about. I think it literally was called the city car, and it was unattractive. It wasn't a sexy car. It didn't mm-hmm. have ludicrous speed. Um, but it was a perfectly serviceable vehicle if your job was five miles down the road or 10 miles down the road and you're just going to be going block to block to block, never needing to go faster than 25 or 30 miles an hour. And in that case, why would you buy a vehicle that has these capabilities that you don't need and don't want to pay for? Yeah. Now, could you, know, could, the, could you even expand that and maybe even go up to 45 or 50 miles uh, an hour or something? Because I have to tell you, you know, if you had an electric car that was cheap, that could even do 45 or 50. You could do most of your commuting as long as you stay off the interstate, you know, around That's here. That's exactly right. All you'd have to do is say that this vehicle uh, is not for operation on the interstate. But otherwise, you're absolutely right. If it could have a top speed of, say, 50 miles an hour, you could use it on practically every surface road except for the interstates. And wouldn't that be fine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be. But I really do believe the whole idea is uh, is forcing you out of the of the cars that actually people want. Now... Are the big three or the big four or five, I don't know how many uh, car companies we have right now, are they ramping up ICE, in other words, internal combustion engine production in response to the fact that people aren't buying the EVs? Have we seen any evidence of that yet? No, unfortunately, we've seen the opposite. You know, of course, there's there's kind of a lag. There's an inertia. You know, Mm. right now, the manufacturers are operating based on the political and regulatory conditions that went into effect a couple of years ago. It takes time. They can't just turn on a dime. So they have all these mandates coming down the pike and regulations. So they've retooled and reorganized their business and we're hey, we're gonna we're gonna we're just gonna transition into these these electric vehicles. And fingers crossed it's gonna work real well for us. Mm-hmm. And now that it's becoming obvious, painfully obvious, that it's not working out at all, uh, they're having to just slam on the brakes. Ford, for example, has I think cut two of the three uh, production lines that it had for the F-150 Lightning, because you know, what's the point in continuing to build these things when the dealers can't sell them? 
And, and I think all the other manufacturers are going to have the same problem. Even Tesla is having the same problem because there are just so many people out there leaving aside all the problems that we talk about all the time who have $50,000 and up for one of these vehicles. It's the cost. It's the time. And that's something that doesn't get talked about, too, the time of charging, too, if you're a certain kind of driver, that sort of thing, right? Yeah, well, I mean, if you're a most kind of driver, for most people, there's an inherent issue there with having to plan your life around charging. You know, one of the fatuities that I hear all the time is, well, well uh, you know, I, I just plug it in at home. Well, you're still waiting, and if something comes up, what are you going to do? You know, you assumed that you might not need to go anywhere, but what if your kid all of a sudden gets really violently sick and you want to get the kid to the doctor right now? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Yeah. That uh, that kind of brings up a, a point that I think you were uh, talking about that I was also hearing about in the news that uh, California is proposing putting a speed limiter, speed yeah. limiter on vehicles. Uh, what do you know about that? What's the latest on yeah. that? Yeah, well, it's this particularly egregious individual who is a state senator from San Francisco, not surprisingly who's put forward that proposal. And the thing that alarms me most is that the technology is already being embedded in vehicles. It just hasn't been fully enabled yet. Um, you know, anybody who's driven a new car lately will probably have encountered this, this thing called speed limit assistance, where mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you drive faster than whatever the speed limit is, you'll see a curious little icon pop up on the dashboard that, that flashes at you to let you know you're driving faster than the speed limit. That's how it assists you. Well, it can also control you by simply not allowing the car to drive any faster, by cutting back the throttle, by applying the brakes. That technology is already being integrated into vehicles, and it's just a matter of time before they throw the proverbial switch. You know, this is something people need to be aware of. It's not something that they're talking about putting into vehicles in the future. It's already being put into vehicles. I think what you're talking about here, Eric, is uh, is really illustrating the difference between uh, team oppression and team freedom. Or team yep. oppression, team nanny. And by the way, that could be bipartisan, depends on the uh, the issues you're talking about. But generally speaking, Democrats more than, more so, not always, but more so than Republicans tend to be like, hey, I want to sit there and micromanage every aspect of your life. The real big problem is that the team that wants to be left alone and, you know, team freedom mm-hmm. it, <sighs> doesn't, doesn't believe in the process, doesn't get involved in, uh, in fighting back on uh, team nanny state or something like that. Is that kind of what we're also fighting right now these days well, in which, hey, I just want to be left alone. We won't let you! You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I think I think that the team alone is only now just beginning to understand what it's up against. And what I mean by that is it's not about safety. These people on the other side are pathological control freaks. Uh, they, they, they have a, a contempt for, a hatred toward anybody that deviates from the way they think we ought to run our lives, the way we ought to live. And they come up with one boogeyman after the next, whether it's health or safety uh, or terrorism, you name it. They cannot abide the idea of, uh, of people just making their own decisions. They see themselves as smarter and better, and therefore they have the right to control us. And it's truly, in my opinion, a pathological phenomenon. Eric Peters with me, epautos.com. Talking a lot about uh, the transportation and politics these days, that's for sure. If you have a question or comment for Eric, you can just check in, 770-5633. We'll go to line two right now. Hi, you're with Eric. Who's this? Good morning. Morning, Bill and Eric, Steve in Sunny Valley. Hi, Steve. Welcome. I think, hey, Steve. I, I think Elio had the right idea to avoid all of this uh, heavy mandates from the government, just take a wheel off. But then he missed out by trying to make his own new motor. 
I yep. think the solution would be a, a lightweight three-wheeled electric vehicle. Hmm. So, what? Well, and he had another problem. Yeah, could, could you explain what the Elio was for those that don't know, Eric? And, and by the way, Steve's yeah. great, uh, great comment. Just kind of yeah, give me a it, thumbnail it on that. Yeah, it was to be something in between a, a conventional, traditional car with four wheels and a motorcycle. It was an enclosed three-wheeler. It was designed to be highly efficient, highly affordable. Uh, and uh, in, as the caller points out, originally it was supposed to have had an engine. Um, that didn't work out. He's trying to recast it as an electric vehicle now, to my understanding. But the problem is, the fundamental problem that he's had and will continue to have, is that it exists in this netherworld in between what's considered a motorcycle or a scooter and a car, and different regulatory standards apply. So if a three-wheeler is considered in a state uh, uh, that has a particular regulation characterizing that as a motorcycle, let's say, or side by side. Well, then you have to have a, you have to wear a helmet while you're while you're operating the vehicle, and it has to. Or on the other side of it, if it's considered a car, it has to have airbags according to federal standards, and it has to meet bumper impact standards. And it's very difficult to to meet both of those kinds of standards at the same time and have a vehicle that's not preposterously expensive or compromised in some other way. Yeah, they do make it difficult. Steve, I appreciate the call. Thanks for uh, checking in here on KMED, KCMD. Line three, good morning. You're with Eric Peters. Hi, who's this? Hi, it's Russ. Hey, Russ, go ahead. Question or comment for Eric? I ran across a gizmo, a little electronic thing you plug into the truck, and it's called like a Fuel Saver Pro. I'm wondering, does that thing even work? How does it work? Is it dangerous for the vehicle? Does it hurt it? Uh, What's the deal with that? I have no idea. I've not heard of it. I've I've seen over the years products that might be similar to what you're talking about that are supposed to somehow molecularly excite the fuel and, and, and increase efficiency. I've yet to see any of these things actually provide any kind of meaningful benefit. I think if they did... The car manufacturers would be installing them from the factory because it would sure help them with their cafe standard issue. And what was this called that's, again? That's what I wondered if it was if it would like automatically electronically control everything to a perfect degree, or if it was just a scam. I think it's probably a scam. Keep in mind too that that a modern car has a computer that controls the fuel injection, and the fuel is extremely precisely metered and adjusted constantly to maintain the absolutely optimum air fuel mixture. Uh, for maximum mileage and lowest emissions and performance. And if the manufacturers could figure out a way to improve that, they'd be jumping on it. All right. Appreciate the call. Thanks for the question. Interesting uh, deal. <clears throat> that also includes, uh, what about those things they used to sell? I don't even really know if they still do that. Uh, you know, water injection systems and things like that to try to... Well, water uh, injection was different. That was designed back in the days, uh, you know, when you had a turbocharged car, for mm-hmm. example, and it didn't have an anti-knock sensor to prevent the engine from destroying itself internally. Uh, and you would use the water injection to help with that. Uh, it helped to, to negate the, the, the detonation that would otherwise occur. But that's that's like 40 years in the rear view now. Okay, so that it's a totally different thing and irrelevant yep. to the current conversation. Yep. Good. Good to know. All right. Because I actually remember buying one of those one time. I think it was from J.C. Whitney back when I was a yeah. kid. And they... I mean, it wasn't a bad idea. Like the 8081 Turbo Trans Am is an example. You know, it was a carbureted car that had a turbocharger on it, and it would knock because, you know, it didn't have the knock sensors. And, of course, it was carbureted. So, you know, what do you do with that? Well, if you want to not blow up your engine, you know, use a water injection system, and maybe you can get a little more boost out of the thing and some better performance. All right. Very good. We're with Eric Peters, epautos.com. Uh, hi, KBD, KCMD. You're with Eric. Who's this? Welcome. Hey, Bill. It's David. Hey, David. Go ahead. Your take. Hey, I think what I think what that caller was talking about was a lot of these devices online for you know ten to fifty dollars that plug into the diagnostic port, which uh, over the years I've had the pleasure of cutting open, and they're usually nothing more than um, LED lights that blink. They don't do anything for the car, um, but yep. you know 
if you want to spend three hundred dollars or so, there are devices you can buy online that'll improve your economy of your car somewhat. So they are out there. Are, How do they do that? Yeah, are you talking about? Uh, well, well, what they do is what they do is you know that when the when the government puts the smog regulations on the car, what they're doing is they're forcing the fuel to burn less efficiently in order to create maximum emission compliance. So what these programmers do is they simply allow the car to burn the gasoline all the way. And those fuel savings could be anywhere from, you know, like four to eight percent typically. But hmm. there are devices you can buy absolutely, but they're at least three hundred dollars. And you and, and this is in other words a in other words, uh, is it like a custom chip? Is that what you're talking about? Custom uh, e prom check chip of some sort? Yeah, well you really just plug them in nowadays. There's not a lot of technical anything involved. You just plug them in and they, they adjust the you know essentially mostly the timing but also the injection a little bit to just burn the fuel all the way because the way that the government achieves the emission standards they do is by forcing the fuel to burn under conditions that create what they you know what they consider to be better waste gases and not actually optimum power for the engine to run. Yeah. Okay, <clears throat> that makes sense. Hey, appreciate it, and uh, thanks for uh, busting the uh, thing when you talk about cutting open one of those devices Hilarious, there too. Isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, just a couple of parts don't do anything. Hi there, Bob. You're with Eric. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Bill. Morning. Fuel economy, how to drive better. Just put a simple vacuum gauge on your dash. Uh, well, sure. Does, and, does and that work? A lot of vehicles have that. You know, they, they dress it up to make it look more sophisticated than that. But uh, ultimately, that's exactly right. Thank yeah. you very much. Uh, I rented a U-Haul truck to help move my son a couple of years back, and they actually have one up on the top corner of their dash. Mm-hmm. Uh, to help the drivers drive better. And, of course, if you're going uphill, you're going to be less efficient than when you're going downhill. And when you stomp on it, you know, your vacuum is going to be lost as well. And it's mm-hmm. also, since the engine is basically a vacuum engine, it's going to let you know the quality and condition of your rings and uh, compression and all of that as a diagnostic tool as well. All right. Very good. Appreciate the uh, the take on that. He's right about that, Eric, to an extent. But, uh, you know, essentially the vacuum, uh, the vacuum gauge is just uh, implying, well, implores you to have a light touch on the throttle, doesn't it? Sure. Sure. I think the most useful function of it is what the caller said. You can keep track of the condition of your engine. If you know what it's normal vacuum should be at idle, let's say, if you know that it's supposed to be pulling, say, 15 or 16 pounds or inches, uh, and you notice it's, it's reading less, then you know that probably your rings or, or some other internal component are beginning to wear out. All right. Talking with Eric Peters, epautos.com. We always talk about the cool cars and things that you get a chance to uh, drive first mm-hmm. here. And I don't know if it's necessarily a cool car, but it always seemed to be a serviceable uh, vehicle that you're uh, featuring this week, the 2024 Nissan Altima. And, yep. you know, just the fact that there's actually a car. I, I, we're running out of cars in some ways. We've got plenty of uh, crossover SUVs, right? What do you think? Yeah. Well, it used to be a really cool car. You know, it used to be basically a budget-priced Maxima. And the Maxima, of course, was once upon a time the four-door sports car that had Nissan's really excellent V6, and you could even get it with a manual transmission. But, of course, it was Nissan's top-of-the-line car, so it was fairly pricey. But then there was the Altima, which came standard with a four. However, you could option it with the same V6 that came in the Maxima and uh-huh. have a, a really fun, high-performance sports sedan for a lot less than what a Maxima cost. Well, unfortunately, the Maxima has been retired and you can't get a V6 anymore in the Altima. So it's been uh, it's, it's had its teeth pulled considerably. But on the upside, it's still pretty affordable, which is getting hard to find in anything these days. It's about $25,000 to mm. start. 
and it's a decent family car for that amount of money. All right, very good. And is it uh, a standard turbocharged two liter or something else? What do you think? No, actually, the standard engine is still Nissan's very excellent 2.5 liter four cylinder engine without a turbo. Now, the optional engine is something I'd be a little bit cautious about getting. They have this two liter turbo four with a variable. Uh, variable stroke crankshaft, if you can imagine that. What? I have a schematic that goes with the article, so you can look at it if you're interested in this. Okay, yeah, because I've heard of uh, you know variable valve timing in which they have the hydraulics and the electronics combined, and they all change the position of the camshaft, but I have yeah. never heard of variable crankshaft. I've never yeah, heard of that. It alters the stroke of the piston in the cylinder to modify to change the compression ratio. Oh, Okay, and what is the effect of that? Because low compression is usually less power, right? Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's designed to allow the system to provide supposedly better economy and lower emissions uh, and a, a decent amount of power. However, you still only get 248 horsepower as opposed to the 300 horsepower that you got out of the old 3.5 V6 that you can't get anymore. So it's interesting from a technological point of view, but in my opinion, it's another metric of our diminishment, if you like, about how things are getting not better but worse in a lot of ways. My concern would be, though, is that it would be a relatively complex arrangement. Oh, it's very complex. All right. I mean, yeah, you've got, you've got another significant potential failure point down the road. If I were in the market for an Altima, I would be sticking with the, uh, the, the standard model with the 2.5-liter engine. They're bulletproof. It's not a rocket ship, but that'll go for 200, 250,000 miles. All right. Glad to know that. Now... What do you have for next week? What's in the driveway? You know, I'm not sure exactly. I've been so busy, I haven't kept track of my schedule, so I, I don't know. It, it's it's today's Thursday, right? Yeah, so yeah. I guess it's going to come today. I, I don't even know what I'm supposed to get today. <laughs> Eric, always a pleasure talking with you. Thanks for the update on uh, you know the California EV thing cooling. Yep. And boy, uh, I I really do think that um, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens when people realize, okay, you don't want the EV, and there's not going to be anything else allowed to replace it. I wonder if the sheep will realize that they're being shoved down the uh, the abattoir, so to speak. Well, they're already realizing it, and that's why the price of used vehicles, uh, particularly those made during the what I call sweet spot era, uh, from the late 90s to roughly around 2005-10-ish, the prices mm-hmm. of those things are continuing to go ballistic. Yeah, well, I know that I'm uh, keeping my Chrysler uh, going just mm-hmm. fine. Thank you very much. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Eric Peters, com, EPAutos.com. Great site. A lot of great commentary that goes on there, too. Eric, we'll catch you next Wednesday. Thank you very Sounds much. Good, Bill. Thank All you. Right.